Hey there, and welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. My name is Benita Litvak, and I am so grateful you're here. I'm an ASHA certified speech language pathologist, author, and augmentative and alternative communication consultant who is obsessed with helping SLPs like you stop reinventing the wheel and connect with other SLPs in the trenches. Have you ever wondered how other SLPs seem to be doing it all with ease? Well, around here, you'll get to hear firsthand how SLPs are really getting things done while keeping evidence-based practice and self-care in mind. Think of this as a coffee date with your SLP friends. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while we learn together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Speechy Side Up podcast. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment. You can also follow along on Instagram at Speechy Side Up. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. So today is a solo episode, and I'm talking all about AAC and early intervention. So let's kind of take this back a little bit as to how I got into early intervention and using AAC and early intervention. So I left the school system at the beginning of 2020 in the midst of the pandemic when I knew that I was pregnant and I had to make a decision earlier in the year whether I was going to go back or not. And just with all of the uncertainty and having a baby on the way, I didn't feel ready to make that decision and commit to going back to the school. So I decided that I would take that time to really decide what I wanted to do in our field and just kind of ride out the pandemic and see what was going to happen. And I ended up having my baby in October of 2020, and I was on maternity leave until about May 2021. So I actually intended to be on maternity leave for an entire year, but I got very stir-crazy and had a really difficult postpartum, so I was ready to get back to doing things that I really enjoyed and kind of finding that identity again in my work and then my passion for AEC and creating and other things. And I ended up stumbling across a teletherapy job. And I think I was looking at private practice in my area and this ad for this teletherapy company came up. So I actually reached out and it ended up working out. I ended up working for them. So I was terrified of teletherapy, to be honest with you. In the beginning, it felt very unnatural and it was not second nature at all. I had a lot of learning to do. It was really difficult in the beginning, but I ultimately became in love with teletherapy and the whole model because I couldn't jump through the screen and work with these children. I had to really focus on parent coaching, especially in early intervention, which is so important. And I saw so much progress in the kiddos that I saw for early intervention. And I know it's because the families were given these strategies and they were the ones implementing it with their children. So I share all of that because One of my first experiences with AAC and early intervention came from this teletherapy job. So 
actually did the AAC evaluation and trial all through teletherapy and the device recently got approved, which is amazing. And it's just crazy. I was with this family since the child was a year of age and all the way up until over two years of age. And I had mentioned that I also have a toddler as well. So I was kind of in the thick of early intervention and just really knowing what strategies work for this age group. And I really fell in love with it. So I'm going to talk about what to do when you're working with kids in early intervention who you think might be good candidates for AAC. And I want to reference a study that looked at 12 different research studies. It was done by Diane Branson and Marion Dimchuk. I hope I said that correctly. And it's titled The Use of Augmentative and Alternative Communication Methods with Infants and Toddlers with Disabilities, a Research Review. And their analysis found evidence that AAC methods can be used effectively with infants and toddlers with disabilities as early as 16 months of age. And just a little side note, you know, I love AAC, so I was definitely trying to implement it with my own daughter. And we had a big core board up in her playroom, and I would model target core words, and she would touch them. And I was like, wow, like she's totally getting it. We were doing like on and off to turn on the light and off the light. But she was really more fascinated with the symbols. And I remember she would look at the people a lot and she would say hi and stuff. And I believe the the people was the category people. So we were doing the or we were using the core board for the touch chat app. And I don't think it was actually clicking with her that those symbols represented words, but I kept modeling anyway. And we did a lot of signs to implemented signs at about eight months of age that I know we could have done it a lot sooner. I just noted a lot, noticed a lot of frustration happening around eight months of age and no way for her to communicate that frustration. So we introduced the sign all done and then more and and so on and so forth. And now she's like talking up a storm and using forward utterance. But I thought that it was really interesting to try using AAC with a child that's that young. I know this is only one child example and every child is an individual, but it gave me some perspective as to like what is going on in their little brain at that time and when it's appropriate to introduce like higher tech AAC. So anyway, they that's what they found by looking at those 12 research studies and what the overall like key main point that they took away from this systematic review is that many different types of AAC methods can be used to improve a child's intentional communication, including light, mid, and high-tech AAC. So light is going to be like your no-tech, so signs, and then mid-tech would be like your non-electronic or at least non-dynamic speech generating devices, and then your high-tech is going to be your dynamic displays, your apps, your robust AAC systems that have eye gaze and head tracking. There's so much terminology out there in regards to the different types of AAC. 
when I was a teaching assistant for an AAC class back in 2014, we used low, mid, and high. But I know that the community prefers light tech now. I know some people use no tech, low tech, and high tech. So just know that there's like basically three different categories and they kind of go along those lines. Anyway, the last thing that I wanted to mention about this study is that the implications for both clinicians and parents is the idea that a variety of AAC methods can be used effectively when caregivers respond consistently and contingently to their child's communication attempts. So we know how important that is to respond to communication attempts and what the study is encouraging parents is to accept all forms of communication, basically. So there are two major concerns that I noticed in early intervention in regards to AAC. The first one is, is my child too young? So we just talked about the research review and how it looked at the 12 different studies. So what we see overall is that early implementation early implementation of AAC can help in the development of language and natural speech. And that comes from Romsky at all, Luke. Wright, Kaiser, Rakowski, and Roberts. So there's a lot of research to show that AAC in early intervention is effective. And then the second concern that I often hear is, will my child stop trying to talk if we use AAC? So you probably know that that is not the case. And in fact, it can help improve natural speech when therapy has a multimodal approach that focuses simultaneously on natural speech and AAC use. And one study that we can reference is Light and Schlosser. That's just not the case, that AAC does not impede natural speech and it can actually improve it. All right, so now that we've got a lot of that out of the way, the major concerns, we looked at what the research shows in regards to AAC and early intervention, I'm going to tell you how I introduced AAC and early intervention with my clients. So if the family is completely new to AAC, I would start by building rapport. And that's important for a couple of reasons. Depends on your the child's age? Are they at just a year? Are they at 18 months, at 24 months? Also, you might be the child's first provider and first introduction into early intervention. And they are really going to lean on you in this whole process, especially if it's the case that the child ends up needing a diagnosis. And while you're building that rapport, you're always going to be engaging in play-based and child-led therapy and incorporating the child's interest. I did a lot of nursery rhymes, especially when I was doing the early intervention through teletherapy. A lot of nursery rhymes, a lot of singing, a lot of toys that are in the child's environment, a lot of movement activities. So we would use a blanket as a parachute, have the child go inside the blanket, do swinging, go up and down their stairs if they had stairs in their house, play in a swing, all of those things that we could incorporate into the child's daily routines and model language and communication strategies throughout. You're always going to be promoting parent coaching or facilitating parent coaching and just 
ensuring that the parents feel confident and using those communication strategies outside of the session. And then in regards to AAC, I would start modeling signs and gestures from day one. And you can start modeling core words from day one. So what are core words? If we're going to do a quick overview, core words make up 80% of what we say. Fringe words make up the other 20%. And core words tend to be more functional. They can also be like highly important to the child. So if it's a word that they use a lot, maybe they love Elsa and they would use it all the time. That could be considered a core word for that. But I think more people think of core words as your verbs, adjectives, prepositions, pronouns. So anything that's really not a noun, those would make up your core words. And you can model those, like I said, from day one. And then you can also provide choices using real objects. So real toys, real objects in their environment, or pictures like from label, also from day one. So you could show them pictures of maybe two different snacks if they were hungry and let them choose between two of them, two different pictures of family members. So you're kind of incorporating that light tech AAC, but it is not explicit that you're using AAC as an alternative method at that point. It's more like augmentative. And as you get to know the child and the family more, then start thinking about when you may or may not need to introduce high-tech AAC. So you might see signs of autism and you might be one of the first people to recommend an autism screening through the MCHAT-R or speaking with a pediatrician. You can administer the MCHAT-R as a speech-language pathologist. So keep that in mind. The family can also fill it in themselves without you having to administer any of the questions. And it just kind of gives them an idea of whether further evaluation is needed. But just having that conversation with the family once you feel like you've built that rapport with them is important. And just keep in mind that there is no prerequisite for using high-tech AAC. So if you feel like it is appropriate for your client and you have access to a device, then definitely go for it once you feel like your client is ready or needs it. And if you don't feel like you're there in that process yet or you don't have access to high-tech AAC or the family isn't ready for high-tech AAC, you can definitely start introducing more light-tech AAC systems. So I love this suggestion from AAC for All on Instagram and Learning with Chatterboxes. They both have cut up labels from different food items and put it onto like a piece of cardboard or they laminated it and put it in the kitchen area and the child can kind of treat it like a menu and pick out what they want. But the parents might need to do some modeling first to just kind of show them what those different labels mean. But that's one way to start introducing light tech AAC and Sometimes when parents are introduced to AAC as visuals, then they might be more open to it in the beginning. And you can also start modeling on a core board. 
too. So you can get core boards offline from the different AAC device manufacturers and print them out, laminate them, or you can put them in like a page protector. I usually do that, especially if I'm doing teletherapy. I know the parents probably don't have access to a laminator, but may have access to a page protector. So I just have them slide it in there. So if I'm doing teletherapy, I would pull up my core board on my screen and model the words and then have the parents model on their core board as well. But if you're seeing the family in person, you can model for the parents on the core board and then just kind of like slowly, gradually release that responsibility over to them once they feel more comfortable. And, you know, keep checking in with the family's concerns around AAC and their child's goals and any decisions that they're making. Maybe they are looking for a further evaluation for their child. Maybe they've spoken to other parents who are in a similar situation and keep asking reflective questions. So, you know, repeat back what they're saying, acknowledge what they're saying, acknowledge what they're feeling and ask them what are the next steps or like how do they feel about that or where do they want to go so another thing you might want to consider is if the parent doesn't have a good support group maybe connecting them with a parent support group on facebook or at least other aac users online so i love lydia dolly and Courtney Johnson, I believe it is. And there's some more who are active on social media that you can refer the family to. Also, you know, it's really important that you come off as the expert in regards to speech language pathology and AAC and be confident and share your professional opinion with the family but also respect the family's decision. Because if you are familiar with the stages of grief, then you probably know that there are different stages that the family has to go through before they're ready to accept what needs to happen and what the next steps are. So they might not be ready to accept the AAC recommendations. So all of those strategies that we talked about using core words, using signs, using visuals can all be extremely helpful, but you want to guide the family along and keep checking in with them. So with some of my families, I will have the conversations about AAC and ask them how they feel about it, if they're ready. And if they're not ready, then I ask them if it's okay, if we can check back in a certain period of time, maybe it's like a month. And usually they're open to it. I've never had anybody say no, that they never want to have the conversation again. They just say like, we're not ready yet, but yes, definitely let's check back in a month. So I'll put a note in my soap notes to check back in a month. And as soon as that month comes around, we check back in. And at that point, the parents are, or the caregivers are at a different stage in their you know, decision-making and understanding of their child's diagnosis, if there's a diagnosis at this point. And it might take a month, it might take two months, but at some point they might be ready to be introduced to high-tech AAC. Also, I just wanted to mention that sometimes what ends up happening is that our kiddos in early intervention start to vocalize. 
and the parents go back to that concern, even though you've talked about it and you've shown the research, they still might feel like they don't want AAC to impede their speech. And I will be completely and openly honest with you that I know all about the research, but I definitely had some concerns at times about introducing signs, about introducing visuals, about introducing that big core board that I told you we had in our playroom. Because you just don't know. You don't know what the outcome is going to be when you are introducing those methods because you haven't like seen your child actually communicate using words yet. So it was nerve-wracking, even though I know all about the research, and I can understand why parents might have that fear. So they might feel like, you know, my title's starting to vocalize now. I want to hold off on introducing high-tech AAC because it seems like we are kind of on a roll. And it's possible that you were dealing with just a delay and that the child may have responded to the strategies and is going to be on track. But if the child is inconsistent in their approximations or productions, or if you feel like maybe they are babbling sounds and not using true words, so they're not really doing mama, mama, or da, 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 but they're just like babbling those sounds, or they might be using guest shots or scripts from songs, nursery rhymes, it might even sound more like a humming or tuned to the sound, then those are all signs that you might want to keep having those conversations about AAC. Okay, so you've set your reminder, you're checking back in with the family, and you would start with reviewing the child's goals and the progress that they've made and ask how the family feels about introducing high-tech AAC at that point. Once they are ready, now you need equipment, right? So how do you get access to equipment? There's a couple of different ways or a few different ways. You might have apps on your iPad already. If you don't, a lot of the different AAC device companies do provide apps to speech language pathologists for AAC evaluation. However, there are long wait lists. So just keep that in mind. But if you don't want to purchase the app or you don't have funding to purchase the app, there are some other ways to get access to devices through local loan libraries. So there is, I have a whole blog post about this called Getting Started with AAC, but it talks about the different ways that you can get access to equipment. And there is like, I think if you just look up assistive technology, loan libraries in my state, it should probably come up. For instance, where I live in Florida, we have the FAST centers and that's where I loan some of my AAC equipment from. And then if you don't have access to the apps or the loan libraries, you might have a local representative in your area for the different AAC device companies. So you always want to have a comparison of different equipment. So try to find out some local representatives from a couple different device companies 
and see if they are able to do a consultation with you or the family and bring out their equipment. And a lot of these representatives, I know because I used to be one for a popular AAC device company, are certified speech language pathologists. So they have an, an ethical standard to abide by. And they are just really passionate about AAC and can help you with the process, really. You know, ultimately, it is up to you and your trial and just making the right clinical recommendations for your client. But, you know, you can definitely use that as a resource to get access to equipment. And it's also really important to consider the possible access methods. So do you think this child is going to be using their point, their finger point, their eye gaze, head tracking, switch scanning? So there's a lot of different factors to consider, and the access methods can determine which devices you trial as well. And there are a lot of other features to consider. So when we do feature matching for different AAC systems, we're looking at things like voice and symbols and motor planning and core words and word finding and keyboards. So another major thing I wanted to point out is just considering the grid size and whether you may or may not need to do a target test or if you may or may not need a key guard. So I will say that I have tried to use the iPad app with some of my clients and used a grid size that I knew that they could touch because they were doing it on other books that had the same size buttons. You know, the books that have the sounds that go along with it. They were touching the same size buttons on the books, but one major difference was that the books had like little grid lines in between the buttons. So they had that tactile separation between the different buttons. And with the iPad app, there's no physical separation between the buttons. You could put a space there, but it's really easy to miss hit on words. So a lot of the times I do try to get access to a key guard because I know if I don't, then it's going to limit the grid size for my client. So for instance, I had a client who without the key guard more than likely would have been on like a 15 to max 30 grid size. When we introduced the key guard, they were using 84 buttons very easily without a single miss hit. So it's just really important to consider like what accessories you need to give your child access to a robust AAC system that will provide consistent motor planning over the life of the device and using the device. So there are there's so much more to consider once you actually get into AAC assessment. Really what this whole episode was about was sharing how I would start using AAC in early intervention. So once you're ready to start doing the assessment piece, I would encourage you to check out some of our AEC assessment pod courses. And I don't know if you've heard, but we are actually doing a 
full year AAC program called AAC Connect. And it basically combines all of the speechy site up AAC resources that have been developed over the past like four years, including all of my teachers pay teachers resources and podcast episodes. And I don't know if you have been around for a while, but did, we did the core calendar club two years in a row. And basically every month we highlighted four different core words and provided videos and activity ideas and scripts, functional scripts to model for those core words. So it basically pulls together all of those resources into a mega self-paced learning track. So it's categorized by month. So Month one focuses on a specific to uh, topic like getting started with AAC. Month two focuses on a topic like listening to AAC users. Month three talks about AAC best practices. And then we get into strengths-based goals and data tracking, AAC assessment, culturally responsive AAC practices, fostering authentic interactions, AAC and literacy instruction, AAC collaboration, a deep dive into the different AAC systems, AAC and guest salt language processing, and AAC autonomy, which is the ultimate goal for our clients. But you can actually jump around in these different modules if you feel like there's a topic that you want to learn more about right away. And another major perk of this program is that I'm offering monthly lunch and learn. So we're going to be highlighting those topics every month. And that's what we're going to discuss in the lunch and learn. And I also offer AAC office hours. So you have one 30-minute office hour included in the program. And then if you need additional consulting, we can talk about adding that. And we have our course library with the recommended courses based on each of the topic. And then all of the resources, so resources like core boards and boom cards and tele-AAC resources and the AAC core word of the week full year guide and the implementation ideas by month and literacy resources, parent handouts, as well as an AAC self-assessment for staff. And this library is growing. So I know there's going to be questions and requests for different things. So I will be creating more resources as we go along. But this is our inaugural cohort. I'm so excited about this. I feel like this has been 10 years in the making. And I am just super excited for all of the people who have already joined so far. The early access ends Wednesday, November 2nd. But if you hear this on this episode and it's past November 2nd, I'm going to give you a discount code, which is going to be in the show notes so that you can get the early access price still, because otherwise it's going to be 119 So it's 99 for the entire year. And if you join this first cohort, it's always going to be that price. But we are going to reopen it in January after we get feedback and iron out any kinks and that price will definitely not be that low again. So considering everything that is inside of this program, it is a huge, huge, so much value is packed into this. My TPT resources alone are like pretty much the value of this as well as the coaching. And there's going to be lots and lots of 
opportunities for ASHA CEUs. You can earn at least up to 1.5 ASHA CEUs, all related to AAC. So I hope that you will join us. You can sign up until November 30th and then the doors close. But if you're still not sure if this is right for you on your AAC journey, go ahead and check out the program overview in the show notes or feel free to send us an email at info at with any questions that you have and we'll be sure to answer it within two business days and try to see if it's a good fit for you. But thank you so much for listening to this. I would love to hear if you enjoyed any of the specific points that were mentioned here or the research articles. So do me a favor and share a screenshot of this episode on social media and tag Speechy Site up so I can know that you were listening and just know which part you enjoyed the most. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll join us in the first ever AAC Connect cohort and we'll be able to chat in the private community and during the lunch and learns and the coaching call. But if not, I hope that this episode really helps you in your practice and to provide the best quality care to your early intervention clients and families. Thank you so much for listening. By the way, have you joined the SSU crew yet? By joining, you get access to the free goods section on our website, plus podcast updates, special event notifications, and therapy inspiration. You can sign up at bit.ly slash join SSU crew, all lowercase, or just find the link in this episode description. Also, don't forget to take a screenshot of this episode so that you can always refer back to it and share it on social media if you really love the topic. Take care and remember to always fill your speechy side cup first before you can pour into others.